Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe in Boston College, Episode 7. I'm your host, Trevor Hash, joined by Jeremy Trueblood and Matthias Kiwanuka. Jeremy's on video. Matthias will be soon. We're ready to roll here. Jeremy's got that fancy background uh, looking sharp. So BC is 4-4, four four, started the season 4-0 and has dropped four straight, as most of you guys know. The Eagles will look to get back on track against Virginia Tech this Friday at 7.30. Uh, the game's at Alumni Stadium. It's the Red Bandana game, a chance for BC to get a big win and get its season back. So, Jeremy Mathias, first, just your thoughts on the Syracuse game. Just what did you guys see out of that game that you can, you know, apply to the next game for BC? We need to work on our team speed and stay in our gaps. That's, that's what I learned. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can, you can start. I'm in a, in a mood today, but go ahead, Jeremy. What was your What's your analysis of the game? It's, it's the same thing as I've always said about defenses that give up big runs. It drives me insane, but they played so well, you know, at times. And like, it was a slugfest, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when the offense doesn't generate any points, it's, it's, it's hard for the defense to keep up that the whole game. What was it? The third quarter where it broke open. I just think mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, a defense can only bend for so long before they break. So uh, we'll probably get into that later, but I was disappointed for sure. Yeah, it, it was, it, it looked like from the beginning, like lackluster. I watched it on the, um, on online, right? So I watched it on, on YouTube, the condensed version. And it's like, it's bad. Cause you, you get to see, you don't, you don't get the breaks in between. You're not like, you're not watching like the real flow of the game. Like all you're watching is like, you know, every single clip, like almost like you're watching game film, you know, back, back in the, um, in the meeting rooms. And it just, it just looked lackadaisical. It looked slow. It looked, um, like there was no there was no like aggression or effort or like energy or or that kind of stuff I don't know how did you watch it live I didn't get a chance to either uh my direct tv is out so I had to do the condensed game myself um which I wish I had better film so I could give a better opinion but um you can see enough to say what you said which is true and um I personally was just not a fan of going back and forth between quarterbacks I don't yeah, really, uh, that's like a coach's thing. And I think it really doesn't bode well for the offensive line, the wide receivers, the flow of the game, um, momentum. I mean, you name it. I don't I just don't think it works well. So I thought oh, that was kind of bad. Yeah, I'm curious from an O-line perspective, how difficult is that when, especially when they have such different styles? I mean, Moorhead's a six five guy. He can, you know, scramble a little bit, grow cell, kind of stays in the pocket more. He can run too, but it's different styles of play. So how does that affect you as a lineman? You know, it all starts with the cadence, believe it or not. I mean, uh, some guys draw out their cadence longer. Some guys have more emphasis in their voice, uh, you know, uh, bass to it, whatever it is. Um, I used to jump off sides from time to time, so I didn't like changes to quarterbacks. Because, you yeah, jumped off sides? Yeah. No. Once or twice. Never. But uh, I was like, a, a, you know, on offense, you can jump the count too. So, like, it all starts there. But then, you know, as far as, like, scrambling and running ability uh, – you know, it, it, one guy passed the ball, one guy can take off running. Um, you know, they, I heard Moorhead give an interview where he's talking about the offensive playbook changed a little bit to more of a spread offense, you know, changing blocking schemes. That's actually easier. I was actually excited when I heard that because their wide receivers are subpar blockers. So you get those guys out of the mix and then the offensive line can just take it out. The reason I think they're doing that is because they're loading the box because you can't throw the ball. So, you know, um, when you load the box and blitz them, you spread them out so they can't do that. When you load the box and blitz them, you spread them out. What do you mean? I said two things. So, like, we know that, uh, Syracuse is a good defense. And, mm-hmm. like, they were kind of 
blitzing and or moving the guys around delay twisting the um mm-hmm. they gave up a sack one time on a delayed twist with a linebacker you know mm-hmm. it's it's it, it reminds me of the Rutgers defenses we used to play back in the day that move mm-hmm. around and then when you make an adjustment at halftime on offense like so you're Syracuse mm-hmm. you, uh like for us when we played Rutgers like I would just stop moving and slam my shoulder back to the left and create a big gap touchdown that was the 60 yard run you know, it wasn't just me, it was other guys too. But like at halftime, we'd make those adjustments against teams that are doing what BC does on defense. And there's, you know, there's adjustments you can make, but that means that the defense has to make adjustments too. Anytime you're talking about it, I don't know how it is on, I mean, I know a little bit how it is on offense, but if you're going to make adjustments, it's like you you need, you need um, the players to not be robots. You know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. looks, you need, you need players to understand what the defense is trying to accomplish because you know you'll see like two guys end up in the same gap when they're blitzing and it's like well obviously you're not sure who's blitzing behind you or where the blitz is coming from if you're a defensive lineman and you're in the wrong gap you know what i mean or you're just being selfish so like i wonder if that's the same on offense like you know when you get to like the older guys the veteran guys you're like okay well this is a gap scheme i know i could do this this and that da, da, da. i know that you know certain things like, i just i i wonder how how much the coaches can adjust and how much the the players can, how much adjustment the players can accept during the course of the game. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm literally looking at it. Like, like, I wish I was in the locker room before I start picking people apart and saying, Oh, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. It's like, you know, I don't want to get in the locker room and get a feel for it. Cause you know how it is. Like everybody plays with that guy who just, can't quite get the play, you know what I'm saying? And so like, then the coaches have to like take that play out completely or, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you know, you're, and you're sitting there, it's like, dude, like we could be so much better if everybody could just understand this or, or like it, it I, I'm a, is, is that what's going on? Cause I mean, on defense, like we got athletes, you know, like, I mean, they definitely made, um, uh, who's the quarterback's name. They definitely made him look like he was, he was pretty fast. Um, Schrader. Schrader. Yeah. Um, he definitely got loose but I mean we have athletes I think it's it's like the gap integrity isn't there you know I think I said it last week if you ever want to know where the ball's going just get out your gap it'll be there (laughs) so I think what was kind of deflating about this game for BC and for fans is that they actually played decently well for most of the game and then it was really five minutes where Syracuse scored all 21 of its points so Mm -hmm. I mean how does that happen when you're, you're playing pretty well you're holding them to a decent number of three and outs and then a decent number of short drives you get a big turnover in the red zone all of a sudden, the third quarter, you give up 21 points in five minutes, you lose the game. Just why? Why? And then what's that like when you're playing so hard, playing so well, and then it all unravels? Well, one of them was the option, right? So Schrader took the option and he shook a couple of people. So that wasn't, that's not necessarily being out of your gap. That's just, you know, um, athleticism. You got to be able to, you know, make the play. And then the other one, we gave up a, a punt return for a touchdown, right? So I mean, anytime you score on special teams, you know the adage, Jeremy. Like, if you if your team scores on special teams, you have a what percent chance of winning the game? I don't know, like 75, 80% chance or something like that, the chance of winning the game. It's just, it's tough to overcome uh, momentum swings like that and then um, uh, the actual points. But it, it's, I mean, I've been in it. We've all, we've all been part of it when, when things just all of a sudden start like piling up on you, the points just start piling up on you real quick. You just got to be able to regroup. And um and get a stop, you know. And even if they're going for it on fourth down, like you know, you gotta you gotta have that. You gotta have those. You know, they had they had a goal line stand, right? They had a, a fourth and goal that that they were able to get off the field on. Like we got to be able to to come up with those those stops. But you know, eliminate the big plays, penalties. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, everybody fly to the ball. I, 
that's the first thing I look at when I turn on the film. It's it's like, where's the hustle? You know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're out there trying hard and you're just not getting there, you're just not, you know, you're not, you know, they're making plays. That's one thing. But like when you see the pile is still moving and you see guys standing around the pile, it's like, Hey, that's easily correctable. You know, that's some, that's just an effort thing. That has nothing to do with your intelligence or your, or your um, size or your physical ability. That's just your desire to, to go out there and play. So those are the things that I say, like off the top, you can just correct right away. Um, everything else like all right well let's let's sit down with a coach and see like what are they seeing what are they doing why are they why are they calling certain plays because you know something's got to give yeah I was going to say when it rains it pours right I mean I feel like I hear that all the time but it, it's definitely in Syracuse a, that's for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does I mean and like I remember being in games like that I'm like you know and on the flip side on offense it, when you're shooting yourself in the foot it's the same thing as like missing your gap on defense. You know what I mean? And like the offense just basically did that the whole game. So, I mean, like they would do well, not do well, you know, whatever you move the ball, you get sacked. I mean, I saw the left tackle get beat once. I saw, you know, like I said, the, what happened was I'll tell you the right guard missed the looper. I mean, the right tackle fell back into the right guard who was blocking the guy and what the right guard does. It's really easy. It's really easy. But I, you know, I said last week that the right tackle missed, um, I said somebody did, but it was the right tackle. He missed a run through on a power block, which is the easiest scheme to run block. And it's just over and over. It's very simple things. I've noticed myself that the right side is normally the side that will like have a mental lapse. And when you talk about robots, sometimes I wanted to say that the right side are robots, uh, but I mean, they're good players. They're seasoned veterans. I have a small thing that I've noticed. That I just think some of the players are overcoached. Um, they're almost like paralysis by analysis type things. Like when I watch Grizel, like he's, he's, what did he, he played 10 games one year, then he played three last year, started, right? And now he's mm-hmm. starting these few games. It's like, a, it's, he's regressing, I think. Mm-hmm. But like he's also because like, I feel like he's transcending into something else. He's a fifth year guy. You know, his time is the shine, but like it's not working so well. It's like, all right, I'm just going to lead these younger guys. Did you hear Moorhead's interview where he was like, oh, he's like a great mentor. He's following me around. He's a great guy. Yeah, it was a and great question. Talked. The guy who asked him asked a good question. No, it was yeah, right. I know. I, I thought it was a great question. <laughs> Very myself. handsome. And yeah. <laughs> his voice is charming. <laughs> and uh, Phil, uh, he talked about Phil too. And he said, like, Phil's a jokester. And I was like thinking in my head, I was like, yeah, he's a jokester because he's probably a little threatened. So he makes jokes at the guy because Moorhead's really good. Yeah. You know, and he's only played two seasons in high school, I saw. Yep. I mean, you know, that's, I think, going to be a difference whenever he can get just settled into playing at such a high speed. He already did a, a good job. He took a few sacks and stuff, but um, it's not like he held onto the ball forever. It was, you know, like I said, some missed blocks and things like that. So I don't know. I think paralysis by analysis is a problem. And I think that happens. So like whenever you start to think and then like too much and things go bad, it just boom, you know, it all, it breaks open, the floodgates open. And then you, but look at them though. They stopped it a little bit. It could have kept on going worse, you know, or downhill. So that's a testament to the, you know, the fight the guys show. Yeah. Yeah. A little more about Moorhead. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like you said, he didn't play last year due to COVID. He, so he's really just started. He didn't it's not like he's been playing in the second grade. He started the sport late, picked it up in high school, played as a junior. And then all of a sudden he's here as a freshman. He's out there against Syracuse on the road. Just, I mean, that's, that's gotta be pretty overwhelming, but he looked pretty poised overall. I mean, couple of mistakes here and there they're going to happen in your first game but i think he's the quarterback of the future whenever Dracovic leaves if it's after this year or next year and probably the quarterback of the present so just what you guys see out of him and what stands out about morehead Matthias, you go, go first yeah I'll, I'll go back to where we're talking about like we're playing multiple quarterbacks at the same time it's got to be difficult and i know you know as an offensive lineman you guys are taught to run the 
the the the pass rushers up above the level of the quarterback and look like there were a couple of times when they just weren't sure where the quarterback was going to set like what is what is his depth going to be you know how do you block for somebody you know and all of a sudden they throw somebody else in there and now you're blocking differently so I felt for him on that side um yeah no I mean I mean I thought he I thought he put for a true freshman I thought he, he played well I think um he could throw the ball down the field like he was confident he was poised he was you know standing tall in the pocket um moving forward you know I just I just don't see how you go back and forth between quarterbacks. I know it works for some people, yada, yada, yada. I just, I don't see it. I'd, you know, just pick one and, and roll with it. If we're going for the future, then let's just go for the future and let's let's leave it at that. If not, then, um, you know, then just, just stick with one guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that I was – when I first saw him come into the game, I was like, yeah, I was all excited. Right. Cause I called for it and I was happy to see it. And then he threw a dime and I was like, yeah, he's pretty good. I didn't, I didn't know much about him. I just knew he looked the part, you know? And uh, so I learned some more about him. And I think the best thing about being a blank slate type guy like that is that you haven't created any bad tendencies, habits, stuff like that. Right. So he's getting all this like really good coaching uh, or, you know, experienced coaching and guys that are, like I say, paralysis by analysis, but they're giving him a lot of good information uh, to go out there and just react, which is what he's doing. And so, you know, what do you say something about he's been getting more reps for like two weeks, you know, if he's going to get some solid first team reps this, this week, yeah, I think the sky is the limit for that guy, Trevor, like you were saying, like he might be the quarterback of the future feels pretty good, but you know, Hey, two good quarterbacks is better than, uh, you know, having just one because the competition brings out the best in everybody. Yep. And I think it should be noted how Grossell is, you know, the ultimate team guy. It's, you know, it's, it's his team right now, as far as we know, but then if, if Moorhead does start and if it's kind of his turn to take over, like Grossell is not the kind of guy who's going to pout great leader, great teammate. So I think that's really important when you have a, a guy who's willing to do that. So I think that's should not get taken for granted. Oh, and he's probably going to get a good job after all this is said and done because he's a, he's a leader and he's accountable and he's reliable. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's just showing his true colors right now. So good for him. I mean, that's something that that's worth, you know, spending some time to talk about, you know, we, yeah. we sit and we analyze, you know, their, their play. Right. And, you know, I love BC, you know, I'm a BC guy and, and everything. So I, I just be honest, I'm trying not to, you know, sit up here and, you know, talk BS about them and all this and that, even though there's a lot of things out there that, that frustrate me, but I don't think it's my, it's my job to to sit here and criticize each one, unless I'm going to be in the building. That's how I feel. If I'm going to be in the building and I'm and I'm actually helping, like if I'm Beekman on the sidelines, then I'll holler at you the entire day, the entire you know what I mean. Like it's easy for my couch for me to sit here. But one thing I, I you know I can't say you know about Grossell is like he is like you said he's a team player, and that it, it's it's got to be frustrating. It it has to be extremely frustrating as a quarterback to be getting pulled in and out and to and to just you know, go with it. And then I have to stand up there in front of the media and answer questions about your job security as a, as a college athlete. You know, I did it at the professional level, but by then you're getting paid and it's like, this is my job. Da, da, da. Like when you're in college, it's like these guys, the scholarship is not, you know, ac- adequate compensation to sit and deal with reading negative negativity in the media about yourself. You know, we don't, we don't talk about the impact that, you know, that all this stuff has on, has on an individual back in the day, maybe a, a you know, a sportscaster might say something negative or maybe a newspaper write might something nowadays. I mean, it's, it's Twitter, Instagram, like 
everything, all social media, like everybody's got a voice. Everybody thinks that their voice is important. So I, I tip my hat to these guys, especially Grossell, to be able to, to continue to lead in this climate, in this environment. Even we, we were before Twitter and, um, and Instagram. We didn't have to like log on and see posts. Like, you know, you had to go online and this is when Google first started coming out. You know, you had to go online and, and Google yourself and, and see if there were articles written about you. This stuff, these things are being thrown in these kids' faces. You know, it's like, it's a constant barrage. Like, yeah, when you're up, it's great. You know, you have all the attention, but the negativity that's out there is so much and it's so intense. Like, you know, I do a, um, a radio show, 98.7 in Sunday mornings in, um, in New York. And we we're talking about it. Um, you know, the giants, how they, they beat the Panthers and, and everybody's like, oh yeah, well, you know, the, the Panthers suck anyway. And it's like, yo, like you, you get a win, like enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, like, where's, why be negative? Why be overly negative? Why be overly critical? Unless you're going to help, you know, unless you're going to do something to help the situation, I just don't understand all the negativity. So um, that was a big tangent, but the main, the main point was um, good for him for being a team player. Like life is so much bigger than football. The opportunities that are going to come his way, you know, from being a, you know, a good athlete and a better person and a good leader, a better leader at Boston College will far surpass in his lifetime, you know, what's going on on the field right now. And I hope that he can understand that, like the value in him being a good leader and, and understanding you know, his role and being humble and, and taking it, you know, on the chin, like the, the value, I believe that people in the, the business world or in whatever industry he, he wants to go into are going to find in that is going to be incredible. So it's way bigger than just, you know, X's and O's or get the ball down the field or, or don't take a sack. It's, you know, this kid, this young man, as a leader is, is poised to do some great things. You know what I mean? This is like CEO type stuff. So, you know, I'm, it sucks. It's tough for him, but um, I respect it. And I, I believe that, you know, his future is going to be bright. I agree. You said a lot of good things there. I mean, I was writing some things down. <laughs> I talk a lot. <laughs> no, it's good stuff, but it was really good stuff. But it's I was a podcast. You're allowed to talk. Yeah. That's the best part about all this. Uh, I heard Moorhead say something about, Grossell being really calm and humble. So you're right. He's a humble guy, right? Even his teammates say so. But um, he threw a dime to Flowers after he got back in the game, right? He's not a bad player. I mean, I have armchair quarterback things to say, and I never played quarterback. So, what you know, I just blocked for him. But, I mean, um, I, I, I've been in all the rooms long enough to hear people say stuff. And um, you're right. Um, when you're playing, let's call it subpar, whatever. I mean, you're trying your hardest, but you're just not getting what you want. Uh, it's going to prepare him for life. You know what I mean? It's going to be when you're doing hard work and you're not getting a reward and you're going to keep on doing it until you get your reward, you know, and that's, that's what he's doing. So um, I'm proud of him just as an alumni, you know what I mean? Of saying the right things in the, um, when he's getting asked by the media questions, I heard him say, you know, it starts with me, all this, that, and the other. And I can tell you firsthand, uh, I would say the same thing, but even when it, you know, it wasn't my fault. I would still say that too. So, I mean, he's a good leader and a good guy. Yeah. It seems like. It's not easy. It's, it's not easy at no. all. Uh, I think even, even as players or, you know, other players on the team, I wasn't a quarterback, but I had a lot of attention media wise. And I don't think that everybody on the team necessarily understands what it's like when you have to go and you have to be the one, you know, like when you are that guy, 
and you know then you develop a voice so i developed a voice and um you know and everybody's like oh he's i was always the guy to go to after a loss that 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 was like that was my role when i when i, when I got to the league it was like oh he's he's so you know, he, he, he speaks so well about the, like, you know I mean? Like everybody can talk when, when we win, like everybody was clamoring for the mic, but like, after you lose, you know how fast that locker room clears out. Nobody wants to speak to the media. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to do this. So even at the professional level, you know, it's difficult. So for somebody at the college level to be doing it, um, I do, but I, the other thing, Jeremy, I feel like your analysis is valid. Like it's okay to be critical of them. I think for you, especially because I know how much time and effort you spend watching these games, like there's, there's a difference, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, like, how can, how can I contribute more to this podcast? You know, how can I, how can I contribute more, you know, of the content and whatever. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, pick apart a certain guy. If, if a guy calls me or like guys reach out to me, you know, all time or they'll send me their foot their their you know their footage and stuff all the technology they have now is unbelievable how they can capture capture stuff and you know i'll i'll look at their pass rush and analyze like you know their get off and like where their eyes are where their hands are you know what their you know they're usually their bucket step and like what their first step looks like and all that kind of stuff like i love doing that like i love like like watching an individual's film and like contributing and helping him you know give him a little couple of things to like tweak it you know and and giving them some suggestions on what to do in terms of, um, you know, how he can improve his game, but not as much um, for just being overly critical of it. But sorry, I just, I just got distracted. But um, the point was, you spent a lot of time watching these games. You spent a lot of time focused on the actual plays and, and the, um, the play calling. And, you know, you understand like you're, you're watching it in terms of like, Oh, what's the down and distance? What are they going to call? Um, where should they be? Like, where should this tackle be? Like you're, you know, you know, the schemes, you understand what they're, what they're trying to do. So it's okay for you to be critical of them. We don't need to sit here and, and pretend like they're great, you know? Um, but great people, they're great people. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, like for me, it's like, well, let's, let's talk about like something else. So I was, I was looking for, for other things that I can contribute. And that was, that was one of them, you know, which was um, their leadership and like what comes after football and what are they, you know, like, what are they likely to do um, or achieve like based on their performance or what they're showing on the field? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great segue to talk about the red bandana game. Um, so Wells Crowther, who um, he died in 9-11, uh, a former BC lacrosse player who saved many people who went up in the building and uh, brought them out to safety. So uh, now BC honors him uh, wearing the red bandanas um, once a year. They've done it twice this year. I actually did it on the on September 11th, and now they're doing it again this Friday. So I'm curious for you guys, just, you know, what does that mean to you to, you know, see that they're continuing that tradition? And just what is what have you heard about Wells over the years from your teammates and former classmates? I love it. I think it's it's very important to remember um I don't, I don't know if you want to call it like greatness but like you know people who sacrifice and people who suffer like like september 11th was was a was a big deal you know i was on campus i remember i'll tell you i was i had actually finished the morning workout and do you remember jeremy like after um like workouts there was those that like that area underneath the stadium where they had those, um, it was like couches and they had a TV in there. They used it during game day for like 
I think maybe like a reception area or something like that. But like during the week it was empty, but they still left the couches and there's a TV in there. So I used to go down there and like watch the news before I would go to class. And I remember sitting there on the couch, I turned on the TV and there's like the first plane had already hit, but I was confused as to like what was going on, you know? And so I got to see the second plane actually hit the tower on TV and I remember like freaking out. And then the rest of that day was just a, you know, you know, whatever show. And, and so like the, the impact that it had on the city of Boston, like I remember for a while, people were running around saying that there's another plane coming to Boston and, and this and that. And there were so many people who in Boston at BC at the time were connected to New York and who had lost people. We had people on our team. Remember our, who was the quarterback we had who, who left, um, Ooh, that one hurts. I forgot his name. Um, but we had, we had, was that a quarterback? Uh, yeah, I think it was a quarterback. Corner? No, I'll think, I'll think of the name. We had, we had a player who's older than us. We had a player who's older than us. Like his uncle had been lost, you know, in nine 11. So like right afterwards, like he left and he went down and there were, there were tons of people who had family members who were either on, because one of those planes took off from Boston. So there were tons of people, like all the stories and the connections that, that started coming out. It was, it was, it was really intense. So um, for me, that, that, that day is, is, um, is, is a, is a big deal, but um you know, for it to be remembered in, in such a way at BC, I think is awesome. You know, I, I love the the stories as they continue to get retold and the selflessness to continue for him to continue to go back in and knowing, you know, at some point he knew that his life was probably going to be lost and, and he continued to do it. That's, that's like, those are the, the attributes and the lessons that you try to recreate in football you know you're talking about like oh this is this is life or death or this is war or this is it's not you know it's sports but you're always trying to invoke that kind of spirit that kind of energy like that like if everything was on the line if it was really about you know like saving people's lives like who's going to rise to the occasion you know and this is an example of a young man within our community who sacrificed in that way so to me, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's more than just a, oh, let's wear a red bandana. This is like, this is the embodiment of what an athlete or what a, a student of Boston college or what, you know, a member of any community should be like when people are dying and, you know, lives are on the line, how are you going to react? What are you, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to, are you going to tuck your tail between your legs and run? Or are you going to like, you know, come face to face with, with nobody knows. I don't even know. You know, I can't, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, I'm tough enough. I, I would do it. I don't, I don't know until you're put in that situation. I don't think that you ever really know. And we try as hard as we can, you know, in, in sports world to, to recreate it and to, and to make everything as important as life or death. And there, there just is no way to really do it. But we have a, a shiny example of somebody who, who really was about that life, who really, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. And that's amazing. So that's my that's my two cents on it. I, I mean, I just think he's a real American hero. I mean, when I used to play sports, uh, you know, we used to act, act like we were soldiers and, you know, in the military kind of uh, formations. Not, you know, like O'Brien uh, was a naval officer or whatever, right? So we would just like try to think that we would act like military people would uh, earn your respect. But like Matthias said, it's not anything like that. 
you know, and I remember doing flyovers and NFL and stuff like that. And like just coming all that drilling that happens because it's, you're thinking to yourself, it's like these guys up here, you're right. They do it, that kind of stuff. Right. But this, that, that's just a normal guy going about life and uh, just being a hero. So, I mean, he's, like you said, an athlete, a former lacrosse player who just wasn't a hero. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm honored that he went to our, our college and, uh, you know, walked the same path. So we did and, uh, can, you know, his story can be told because I think it's amazing. And so, um, I didn't, you know, they weren't doing that when we were there. Um, but I think it's great. And I, I tune in every time because it's, it's an awesome experience to watch. Yeah, it really is. Great. So, well, um, Matthias, Jeremy, anything else you guys want to discuss or also I do have one thing. Yeah, go for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> let's clean up the office today uh, and i just wanted to let everyone know there was a point in time 2005 matthias and i were on the, on the schedule that's pretty cool it's pretty legit yeah. that's awesome man. good stuff great all right well matthias jeremy thanks as always for joining thank you all for listening bc will face virginia tech this friday for the red bandana game chance for the eagles to get back on track and get a much needed win thank you all and have a good night thank you thank you Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.